at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, December 8th, 2022 edition. And this is the time of year where people who love the holidays start to watch the calendar. And because Christmas is only a little over two weeks away, you are probably also thinking about your investment strategies and how to optimize them. Uh, especially if you're interested in markets and if you're listening to the show, you probably are. And you might be tempted to pretend that the market today is just like it was this time last year, but we know that things are changing. And you're seeing kind of one fallout after another, all relatively minor in the grand scheme of things. Nothing systemic, but uh, it just should remind you that we're in a new era where capital is scarcer and this is going to manifest itself uh, in different ways and the areas of the financial market that are weakest that are uh, that were more most built on a house of you know a house of cards shall we say or castle built with sand whatever analogy you want to use you're seeing that with FTX and various parts of crypto, knowing that you know, the story was bigger than the reality. And those that got hurt, they mainly, mostly didn't do the d- due diligence. Not that they were wrong, just that they were buying into the hype. So they were wrong, but not because of anything more than hubris, hubris of their own making, right? Overconfidence in their ability to make good, sound investment decisions. They, for the most part, use emotions. And that's what stories are, right? Stories are are there to bring out emotion. Why we love stories. We love movies. Many people love reading books. We love TV shows that have long, arching uh, uh, storylines because it makes you emotional. It's uh, part of being a human. Unfortunately, when you're investing, buying into stories and allowing the emotions of those stories to take hold it usually leads you down the wrong path. And as Warren Buffett always says, when the tide goes out, you see you swimming naked. And you're starting to see those that swim naked. 
But that doesn't mean everyone's swimming naked. You mean go back to 08, which was a far worse downturn than we're seeing now and that we're likely to see over the coming months. There were, the vast majority of companies came out of it fairly well. So it's easy to latch on to the opposite narrative of doom and gloom. The reality of markets is typically somewhere in the middle. It's not as exciting and rosy as the pie-in-the-sky dreams of growth and disruptive stocks are, but it's not as dire as those, once again, gloom and doomers like to like to prognosticate. And frankly, there's a lot of, I call doom porn on social media, in articles. It gets clicks, does. And so your job is to be in the middle. That's where reality almost always is. Somewhere in the middle. And you can be duped both ways. You can be duped by high in the sky dreams and you can be duped by, you know, terribly negative storyline that causes you to not invest. The balanced middle of the road approach is usually the most prudent. And that's what we're here to help you do. Not get too high, not get too low. You know, I'm a big Laker fan. And Phil Jackson, probably one of the greatest basketball coaches ever. Uh, if you ever listen to his players, that's really his mantra. Never too high, never too low. You know, when the other team went on a run, you saw him on the bench, he sat there just fine. He didn't freak out. And when things were going great, he also wasn't jumping up and down the sideline. Because he knew that you never get too high, never get too low. So that's what we're here to help you do on this podcast and radio show. I'm Justin Klein. And help you, I'm here to help you stay the course. Not get distracted by shiny objects. And I'm here to answer your finance and investment questions at 888-99-CHART. Our listener line is open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And I've got a lot of material ready for you today. One is on lessons from the Nifty 50 phenomena. You know what that is? If you don't know what that is, you really need to dig into market history because it really wasn't that long ago. It was late 60s, early 70s, all about household names and markets. And there's a lot of parallels today with indexing. And we're going to look at that story and what kind of lessons can be gleaned from that time period. Also, Passive investors, some things to think about as we go into 2023 and some previous parallels. And then the new era of scarcer capital and higher interest rates. What lessons can be taken? What are the three main lessons to move forward from here? And then lastly, how to train your brain to handle market uncertainty. Those are things that are on my mind. But we also have some voice bank questions ready to play. One is on press and point energy as well as NRG, energy, NRG, the symbol. 
We got this all planned out for today on uh, Invest Talk. Now let's take a look at the markets today. Nice positive day. U.S. markets up about three quarters of one percent. U.S. small caps up about 0.7 percent. So very, very nice day. Growth stocks did very well today. Large cap growth up one and a half percent, and small cap growth 1.46 percent. And the value side positive, but only modestly so. And this is really on the back of lower interest rates. Big down day yesterday in uh, the treasury rates, and certainly that's a, a bit of a tailwind there. So uh, we're, we're probably entering a choppy period through year end. It's kind of what I'm expecting. We've had this rally, and at bare minimum, we're probably gonna get some consolidation. Do we get a final roll, another rollover? We shall see. But the odds are are good seasonality wise, technicals. You know we're not super overbought, so there's still some upside potential left, and a lot of negative sentiment to be worked off from uh, early October. Uh, so between now and end of the year, likely expecting a choppy period. Now we're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your voice bank questions, but we love taking your live calls as well. Our number never changes and it never closes. It's Invest Talk at 888 chart Since the pandemic and for most of 2022, investors have had to face the multifaceted challenges of changing market dynamics. So KPP Financial is preparing a special wealth webinar Income Opportunities in a Rising Rate World. The webinar will be led by KPP Principal and InvestTalk host, Justin Klein, and it will cover these topics and questions. What is the near and long-term outlook for inflation? Which sources of income are best suited for each type of investor? When searching for income, how can you limit risks? And various ways to earn income with options like selling calls and puts, and much more. This free online wealth webinar will be presented live Thursday, December 15th, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Uh, hello, Invest Talk. My name is Enrique calling from San Diego. I have a quick question. I have a YouTube business and money's starting to trickle in, and I should surpass $600 next year. However, I don't know if the channel is going to fail or not. What would you suggest for me? Should I start a S Corp, a LLC, a sole proprietorship? Also, in which state would you recommend me doing it? Would it be California or another state like Delaware, Nevada? I would like to hear your thoughts. Thank you very much. Love the show. Well, congratulations on growing your YouTube business. I know that can be very difficult. And it looks like you're getting to a level where you need to think about turning into a true business, which is some sort of an entity, not just the being a sole, sole proprietor. Uh, now, which type of entity that depends on many factors? That's a question more for a CPA that needs to dig into, you know, any other income that you might have, 
what state you live in or filing what are the what are the requisite laws around that now there are typically annual filing uh costs uh, i think for us we're california s corp and i believe it's around 800 dollars per year so there is some cost to kind of maintaining uh the business uh and and that's something once again for a cpa and and if you're going to open a business you probably want a cpa to run these things by by not just this year but consistently so a i don't have enough information b i'm not the best person to ask and answer this because this is more of a small business cpa type of uh, uh advice to give you whereas you know i've I'm more of an investment uh, analyst and, and, and expert, uh, so a bit different than uh, on the uh, the business side. But I can tell you, for us, we're a California escort. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we have to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Now, Chris in Boston says, "I've been listening since 2020, and you both have shaped my investing experience thus far." Would F S L R be a good short? seems to be overvalued and its cash flow seem weak but it does not have much in terms of debt let's take a look at this looking at first solar and first solar is one of the largest manufacturers of solar cell and the one positive about their business is that their earnings have been consistently positive for a long period of time a few years where it was negative 2016 as well as this year is expected to be a small loss um but next year is supposed to be going back up to five dollars and eight cents per share and so that's what you're looking at is this near term uh some type of a headwind uh i'd have to dig into details on first solar and why that is but clearly that's a, a one-off thing a flash in the pan and oftentimes there are years where analysts or not analysts but the leadership teams to have kitchen sink years where they just kind of or quarters where they dump a lot of expenses write off structuring charges etc into one quarter or one year and more of a one-off thing uh you know i actually think first solar is probably one of the better within the industry because of their consistent profitability and there are a lot of money losing solar production companies out there so if you're going to short one now this doesn't mean I, I think you should go buy first solar if you think it's overbought it's coming back down uh, it's a bit expensive even uh it's gonna make five dollars per share next year uh but it doesn't mean i would short it and if you're looking to short the solar industry i would short one that consistently loses money as opposed to one that more often than not makes money so i like what you're thinking you're looking at uh trying to short particular parts of the overhyped markets but first solar is frankly best in breed and i don't want to be shorting best in breed i want to short one of the weaker names within the industry right the call now i'm justin klein this is a fast moving thursday and the market as always is unpredictable always changing and you must have finance and investment questions for me that you need answered so give me a call now on Invest Talk at 888 chart
holiday season is here. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are on duty, and they welcome your finance and investment questions. Call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point concerns this story looking at the lessons of the Nifty 50 phenomenon. And if you don't know, this refers to the most popular large cap stocks in the 60s and 70s, mainly late 60s, early 70s. And these household names traded at extreme valuations. These were names like Xerox, IBM, Polaroid, Coca-Cola, and many of them had P ratios north of 100. But despite high valuations, investors continued to buy into them. Why? Because they were looking at you know, the last two, three, five, ten years and saying, okay, here was the returns. That's what I should expect going forward without really understanding true value. And even in 1973, Carl Hathaway, who was the senior vice president at Morgan Guarantee at the time, said, quote, the greater fool in growth stocks isn't the one who buys them, but the one who sells them. Basically saying, you, you'd never sell. Well, there was a huge bull market in the early 70s, but that turned south rather quickly in 1973 and 1974, known as the black bear market. And that culminated with a 15-year period from 1965. So think about this. Bull market, late 60s, early 70s, and then a bear market starting in 73, 74, and a lot of malaise in the 1980, and on an inflation-adjusted basis, the Nifty 50 investment returned negative 10% annualized over that 15-year period. So a big bull market over that 15-year period to start, but a terribly, bear, terrible bull market, to, or bear market to finish it, that closed down in total 10% annualized. Not good. And there's a lot of parallels to that time period. Obviously, a lot of government spending on Vietnam War, greater society programs, unionization, and this stoked inflation. Along with an accommodated Fed, right? That was what you had in the late 60s. And small caps and tech stocks were the winners. Sound familiar? Then... Starting in the early 70s, volatility and inflation surged. End of Bretton Woods, picking up the gold standard. And what happened? Stocks and bonds underperformed in real terms. And then you had the oil price shock in the mid to late 70s. So a lot of parallels with today. Handful of industry-leading stocks being bought into. And now being hit with higher inflation. Think about everybody that either bought into the simply indexing or owning the big tech stocks. Now, from 1973 to 74, the Fed hiked from 5.5% to 13%. And the market fell 50% over that time, 5-0. And ultimately, the Nifty 50 was vulnerable to things like rising costs, margin pressures, and earnings revisions down. 
Not unlike today. And it shows you that everything mean reverts. Talk about that all the time. And we're, in, we're just starting that process of mean reverting. Now, by 1982, valuations had fallen from 23 times earnings in the early 70s to 7 times earnings. And the Nifty 50 was not the portfolio choice for everybody. And so you could easily see that type of market where there's a different leadership group. And so it's important for investors to prioritize companies, strong balance sheets, resilient cash flows, high levels of earnings visibility, and future growth of that earnings. Companies with solid business models focused on shareholder stewardship that are doing right by the shareholders, not the founders. You see that a lot where uh, there's different share classes that have different voting rights. That was pretty popular over the past five to seven years where a lot of tech companies and tech founders got real uppity. And they they wanted to keep their, they wanted to have all the, the riches of being a public company, but they didn't want to have to give away voting rights. So they split up their, their, their voting rights in the different share classes. And that kind of a hallmark of a time where investors aren't really paying too much attention. Those days are gone. So there's a few lessons from this. One is don't buy the leadership dip because things are down doesn't mean it can't get, can't go down more if inflation continues to remain elevated. And things can look like a, like a deep value. Think of Facebook, right? Or Meta. Meta looked cheap six months ago and then it got a lot cheaper. Active allocation is essential. And growth stocks can be good investments as they mature into value stocks that pay dividends, that have consistent growing cash flows. And lastly, the last lesson is there are big winners in every market. You just have to be nimble enough to recognize that. Now we're heading into a break. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Since the pandemic and for most of 2022, investors have had to face the multifaceted challenges of changing market dynamics. So KPP Financial is preparing a special wealth webinar Income Opportunities in a Rising Rate World. Thursday, December 15th, 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Let's go to Kent in Texas, looking at AVUV, which is the Avantis U.S. Small Cap Value ETF. That's right, sir. Um, I'll tell you, you've been talking about the small caps, and I've got to looking around, and uh, I found this one. Uh, it's only been around for a couple of years, so there's not a whole lot to go off of it. But the mm -hmm. thing that caught my own ETF.com, they're showing a PE of around 7 as opposed to around 10 for all the rest of them. 
and it's a managed fund for 25 basis points, and it's a four-star fund with Morningstar, so that's what I know about it, sir. What can you tell me? Yeah, that is uh, on the cheaper side for an actively managed ETF, and I'm seeing a P ratio around 8.2. Now, the category average, other small cap value ETFs and funds, that's around 10, 10 and a half for the index. Uh, so that's a little cheaper. Now, that doesn't necessarily tell me that the stocks are cheaper. It could mean there's more value traps in there. I don't really think of it uh, in that sense. But, uh, you know, I, I like this overall uh, exposure here. Uh, now, you know, you look at the sales growth, only 5% versus the category average, it's about 6%. You're looking at dividend yield around 2 That's good. Uh, price to cash flow is about half of the category average. So I like that. Price sales only 0.5% versus the category average about 0.82%. So there's definitely some things to like about it. And I like the area that you're looking at. So if you're looking to gain exposure to small cap value, which most people should be, that's probably the biggest knock I see in portfolios that I'm reviewing for listeners and, and future clients is that they have way too much in giant companies, mega caps, large caps, and not enough in small caps. And when I say small cap value is typically an area that you want more exposure to. And this one is a good, easy way uh, to do that. That's not just simply indexing. So I'm going to give this one a thumbs up, A, B, U, B. Let's go to Gino in San Jose looking at Jeppy, J-E-P-I. Yeah, hi Justin. This uh, Gino. Uh, just wanted to see about the uh, the JEPI. Uh, what do you think about that one? I'm about to buy some more. I got some. Um, purchase some more there. Yeah, this is the JP Morgan Equity Premium Income ETF. This is a covered call strategy, and it's mm -hmm. definitely one of the better ones within this particular uh, category. Because uh, we run a covered call strategy, Equity Income Plus, for our, our clients, and I was actually looking at the various ones to compare and, and luckily we're, we're doing better than, than, than all of them out there uh, so far this year, especially. Um, but this was one of the better ones. The performance so far this year is, take a look, uh, only down about two and a half percent for the year, which is pretty good considering the category average is down 9.62%. So uh, it's done, done, done fairly well. Um, yeah, so if you're looking for a covered call ETF, uh, at least in the near term, this one has definitely been the star performer. This means it's always going to be. There's not a whole lot of history here. It's only been around for, let's see, yeah, uh, two years, not even. <laughs> started started a lot. Started in 2021, it looks like. Oh, no, 2020, so not a full year. So yeah, a little over two years. There's not a whole lot of history to say, okay, this is consistently outperformed over an extended period of time two years is nice but you know it, it's a good start but it's not a it's not something that i would set it and forget it because it's so new and, and things can certainly change but uh, of the covered call etfs this is definitely one of the better ones the call. Mm -hmm. i know let's touch a bit on how to cope how to cope with market uncertainty and you know in a polarized economic environment and high inflation you have job layoffs you have 
climate emergencies, civil unrest, higher interest rates, all of this leads to a lot of uncertainty because they're, they're, they're situations that we're not used to. We don't have a lot of experience with. And studies have even shown that humans prefer physical pain to stress. Stress of uncertainty. And so as an investor, it's important to learn how to cope emotionally with these uncertainties and don't let them make you make rash investment decisions that you will probably regret regret now the first thing you have to do is avoid doomsday narratives now in a in a polarized political environment you probably have told been told by your preferred media outlet that the other side is the threat. Threat to your life, threat to your freedom, to your pursuit of happiness, to whatever. And that creates unease. Social unrest around the world is rising because of it. But the new normal is fundamentally more volatile. And we can respond to this increase in uncertainty by trying to control the things that we can control, right? You can't control the environment that you're in, but you can control your strategies, whether you're diversified properly, whether you're taking advantage of opportunities, taking advantage of tax incentives, etc. And you need to make sure that you're not being a short-term thinker. Research has shown that there's a tendency to discount the future. And that's linked to impulsive decisions, higher debt balances, lower savings balances, excess risk-taking, addiction, and poor health choices. end-of-the-world type of thinking feeds these short-term reactionary tendencies. It's hard to make good decisions when you're thinking so short-term. Now, there are always going to be some sort of narrative to allow the pundits to scare you. But you need to maintain your you're cool long-term. And you must find ways to see past whatever's in front of you. Now, one thing you have control over is diversification. Not buying into narratives uh, one way or the other and being overweight one particular area of the market, whether it's an asset class or a particular sector. And in fact, when there are these type of situations, these type of extreme events that happen throughout the world, you need to use that as an opportunity to take advantage of. And you need to recognize that you can buy great companies at a discount from time to time. 
knowing that this too shall pass. Right? That's the saying. This shoot this too shall pass. So whatever it is that's causing some short-term drop in the value of a certain asset, that permanently impaired, or is this or will this pass? So learn how to buy value and sell height. And sometimes the opportunity in the markets is to sell the things that you own that are too expensive or to short a particular stock. And you need to recognize, be able to recognize what is value and what is hype. And there's a, there's a famous marshmallow experiment. This is when researchers gave kids a marshmallow, left them, left them in a room alone, and see how long it took them to eat it. And the kids that lasted the longest, they're the ones that succeeded later in life. And what did they do? They had coping mechanisms. They sang songs. They turned their toes into pianos. They found ways to distract themselves. So what could you do instead of, you know, scrolling on social media and getting caught up? You can be present with the people around you. Be kind to the, to the people. Look at the positive uh, in people. Go out for a walk when you feel frustrated or uh, you know feel like you're you're going to make some rash decision. Meditate, dance, sleep, do things that are good for you. Find coping me mechanisms that can take you away from that emotion, and that'll make you a better investor. Now, this is Invest Talk. Let's grab another caller question from eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey, Steve or Justin, I was hoping you could give your analysis on Crescent Point Energy ticker is uh, CPG oil company but it's also has some exposure to natural gas located out of Canada done pretty well over the last year with um, oil prices and uh, natural gas rising. But I've read a couple of things now where Western countries are putting price caps on barrels of oil from Russia and also OPEC planning on keeping its production at current levels. Two part question. I just want to see what those two things could mean for a company like CPG. The second part is, you know, since it has declined, from its 52-week high. I'm just looking to see if this could be a potential buying opportunity. It looks like it could be a good company based on my analysis, but I just wanted to get what you guys think. Thanks as always, guys. Appreciate it. All right, this is Crescent Point Energy. This is a Canadian company, Canadian oil and gas EMP company in Western Canada and a little bit here in the United States as well. Now, the cap on Russian price of Russian oil, it may work. Uh, there's some complexities to it. Uh, I think they'll they'll it'll have some impact on the margins, uh, and ultimately the, the the main goal here is to prevent Russia from pumping oil. They want them to uh, to suffer economically, uh, and there will likely be less volume coming out of Russia. How much less volume we shall see. Um, now, Crescent Point Energy, three point eight billion dollar market cap medium size, it's okay. Um, but of the of the Canadian producers, this is not in our top five. So I would keep looking historically, it's return on equity, been fairly poor, roughly negative. It's average over the last five years is negative 7%, it's median is negative 6%. So it's historically not a great operator. I wanna be in the better operator that have consistent profitability, not just that are doing well right now because prices are higher. 
So I'm going to give Crescent Point Energy a thumbs down because they're just better options out there, especially for the Canadian producers. Thanks for the call. Now we are moving at a fast pace towards the end of the year. Just a few weeks remaining and these changing market dynamics are probably creating questions in your mind. Questions on where are the opportunities both to buy things you don't own and to potentially sell things that you do own. And how should your portfolio be balanced? How should you update your strategies based on these dynamics? Well, if you need help, I encourage you to take a minute and sit down with myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, where we operate with the same philosophy as we do on Invest Talk, which is unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and independent thinking and shared success. And so where we practice parallel investing, which means you invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go-to meeting. Just give our office a call at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Just a few minutes can do wonders to help optimize your portfolio. Now, next up, we'll play another caller question. So hang on. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download. Your participation makes it unique. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. It's Shane from Florida. Love what you guys do. Long listener of the show. My question is about IRAs. Just recently created one. I was wondering how I should allocate my funds. Should I use mutual funds as the base of my portfolio? Thanks, guys, for all you do. Appreciate the work. I'll be listening for the answer. Thank you. Should you use mutual funds? Now, this is dependent on what you want to do and what your ultimate goals are. Now, your ultimate goal is to allocate your portfolios as effectively and efficiently as possible for your end goals of financial freedom. That's what everyone's goal should be. Now, that's different for everybody. For some people, that is something that is far in the future, so you want to be aggressive. Uh, for others, it's more driven towards income in the near term and everyone in between. And then it's how much work do you want to put in. You want to be low low work, diversification, mutual funds are a good way to go. Mutual funds, ETFs, mix of them is fine. Now you're not going to learn a whole lot. And so if you want to learn and you want to get better, you want to individual companies and have, you know, be able to do much better than the overall indices and, and other mutual funds, then buying individual stocks and learning, going through the learning process uh, is probably better by buying individual stocks. But that takes time and you have to be willing to commit. So it's up to you. Now we're heading to our final break. Get the questions now at 888-99-SHARK. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? 
Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Suzanne from Michigan. I'm looking for a long-term buy and hold, consistent dividend payer that weathers the ups and downs of the business cycle that I can set and forget. And I'm looking at two stocks. One is Gladstone Commercial, symbol G-O-O-D, and the other is Stag Industrial, symbol S-T-A-G. I wonder if you could share your thoughts between these two stocks and if you feel one is superior to the other. Thanks, and as always, I will be listening every night to the podcast for your opinions. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad you're getting a lot out of it. Let's see if I can help you on this one. Gladstone Commercial Corp. And this is a REIT, and it owns industrial, commercial, and retail properties, making long-term industrial and commercial mortgage loans as well. The portfolio consists of single-tenant commercial, industrial, real properties, and medical properties nationwide. That's good. That's Gladstone. And then Stag, they're more focused on just the industrial space. And mainly Midwest, Eastern United States. Now, here's the issue. Is that you're looking for something that is going to grow through investment cycles and the answer to that is really you know it's going to both of these are going to be cyclical so if you look at their cash from operations for example in 2008 let's go actually stag doesn't have that history let me get a gladstone here cash from operations yeah 08 it kind of flattened out um, both of these are going to be cyclical. So you can't expect this these to not be volatile. What you want to look really is what is their longer term profitability metrics. So return equity on good is right around 4.6%, whereas stag is going to be right around, let's see, what's up here? Closer to 6%. So four, four and a half versus six. Stag certainly is much better on that front. And the technicals are also looking better on Stag. Um, so while Stag looks to be less diversified, their profitability is much better. Um, so if I'm picking one or the other, I'm going to pick Stag. But neither are going to be non-cyclical. They're definitely going to be tied to the business cycle overall. Thanks for the call. Now, let's touch a bit on the new world of investing. And with a new world, new environment means a new set of rules. And with asset prices from equities to real estate falling and the era of cheap money over, there are a few rules to focus on. One is the expected returns will be higher. Now, does that mean real returns will be higher? Not necessarily, but understand that when asset prices are down like they have been, that means future years are more, you should be more optimistic. Lower prices are, are actually good for longer term returns. 
Sounds counterintuitive, but that's the facts. And inflation means higher nominal prices across the economy and likely higher nominal prices in markets as well. Now, are equities a good hedge against inflation? Depends on the sector. Now, no rule says that asset prices can't continue to fall. But historically, as, as Warren Buffett once argued, prospective investors should rejoice in prices falling. Okay. Number two, the second rule is investors' horizons have shortened. It's no longer about the, 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 the pie-in-the-sky uh, hope of the future. Investors have lost have less patience for firms that have heavy costs up front and profits well into the future. And then the third rule is the investment strategies will change. So it's no longer about private equity and passive investing, but it's more about smart asset allocation that's going to guard against inflationary pressures. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another InvestDoc program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.